At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. It's a great pleasure that I have the opportunity of introducing special guest Kevin McShan to the show today. Kevin's a motivational speaker, journalist, an advocate for the disabled, and so much more. Kevin's a graduate of St. Clair's College of Journalism print and news media program. He has an extensive history of promoting employment equality for individuals with disabilities. Most recently as a job developer and enhanced employment support facilitator with the YMCA of Windsor, Essex County. He also continues the effort of promoting inclusion for people with disabilities through his motivational speaking efforts. Kevin worked with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce on the Discoverability Network Project in the region of Windsor, Essex. In this role, he was responsible for linking businesses to the DiscoverAbility Network website, an online job matching portal for employers and job seekers with a disability. Kevin was instrumental with the implementation of the We Are Able project. The project was a new initiative in Windsor, Essex, aimed to educate local businesses and hiring managers about the benefits of hiring individuals with disabilities. By eliminating the barriers and stereotypes, we can create a positive pathway towards incorporating these individuals and giving them the opportunity of gaining competitive employment within our community. The project lasted 13 months and resulted in 28 individuals with disabilities securing employment. Kevin also has experience in the sports journalism industry. Through the Two Man Advantage podcasting website, an endeavor he was involved with for many years, producing over 300 interview and commentary podcasts for the initiative. Kevin has been successful in securing interviews with many prominent and accomplished coaches, athletes, and television personalities in Michigan and Ontario. After graduating, Kevin acquired experience as a multimedia journalist in his role as an assignment editor with CFTV 34. Through his role as a reporter, Kevin gained the confidence and notoriety to expand horizons. In 2013, he launched a new business venture called Mobilizing Media Initiatives. 
It's through this company, which Kevin can remain an active contributor to the community. He's a proud recipient of the 2012 Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal for his commitment to promoting equality for individuals with disabilities. Kevin was also the recipient of a Community Excellence Award from Community Living Essex. Additionally, in 2015, Kevin was awarded with the Influence Advocate Award from Assisted Living Southwestern Ontario for his work in promoting employment and societal equality on behalf of individuals with disabilities in Windsor, Essex. In October 2014, Kevin's passion for disability awareness issues afforded him the opportunity to hold a press conference at Queen's Park. The platform for the press conference was to compel the Ontario government to make a commitment in setting the tone in the hiring of persons with disabilities and creating programs which will encourage businesses and companies to do the same. During the conference, Kevin was clear to identify that there is an untapped market of individuals with disabilities who have skills, experience, and education. After the press conference, the province of Ontario took immediate and swift action and appointed a special advisor to champion employment opportunities for people of all disabilities in the public and private sectors. Kevin works closely with Tarash Natarshit MPP Essex to bring awareness to employment challenges for individuals with disabilities. Challenging others to reach their fullest potential by maximizing their productivity in life, work, and play is Kevin's primary message as a motivational speaker. His greatest thrill doesn't come through personal achievement or accolades. It comes from the success and enthusiasm of people he touches along the way. It's with great pleasure that I welcome Kevin to the show. Thank welcome you, to the show. Uh, thanks so much, Jason. I'm thrilled to be here, and I thank you for that uh, lengthy and most uh, kind introduction. I, I'm excited to talk to you today about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. And, and I just have to say, I am thoroughly impressed, and I said this to you off the air, but I want to share this with the audience, too. I'm thoroughly impressed with you, just everything you've accomplished in your short life of what, 32 years, you've, you've done more in your 32 years than I know most people will ever accomplish in their 70 or 80 year lifespan. And reading that introduction is something to me that instills in me that you're, you're not slowing down anytime soon. So my first question to you is, where do you see yourself five years from now? You know, that's, that's a interesting question. As long as I'm continuing to make a positive difference and making sure or that I'm doing all that I can to inspire others to build bridges of inclusion uh, that would make me, me happy as sort of a five-year plan. But specifically, I'm hoping to uh, grow uh, my broadcasting platform to uh, dabble into uh, philanthropy philanthropy, um, helping others hopefully build their own broadcasting career so that uh, broadcasters with and without disabilities can uh, d discover a platform where they can also help other individuals find their voices through journalism. Because I tell people that journalism is my uh, passionate obsession. I love uh, talking to people and, and uh, having conversations that hopefully make a difference. So uh, 
building on my journalism career, helping other people uh, start uh, their own journalism career and continuing to provide individuals with uh, disabilities a uh, bridge towards inclusion. So I know that's a long answer, but that's sort of my five-year five uh, master plan there. That's not, that's not a long answer at all. That's actually a phenomenal plan. I, diversity and inclusion and equality are things that I am very passionate about as well. And I, I believe that we need to start doing more to promote that and increase awareness of that, of it, of them, I should say, for our society to become a more, a, a more peaceful place and, and for people, every member of our society to have an active role with uh, our lives. And, and, you know, I like, I want to ask you about your, your role being a disability advocate in the workplace. How did that start? It started uh, through my own personal experience to be perfectly honest for your audience. I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy. Uh, it simply means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally. And uh, I'll tell you that uh, my, uh, I know you're a lawyer. So my uh, start in journalism happened because uh, when I was a little guy, I either wanted to be a journalist or a lawyer. And I found out, <laughs> I found out that uh, journalism school was shorter than law school. So journalism school won. And uh, so since then, I've worked to build bridges of inclusion uh, for people with disabilities. Uh, it's really been a lifelong mission because, because I have firsthand experience on the obstacles and the challenges that are presented to folks with disabilities. And I wanted, again, to build bridges of inclusion that eradicated barriers to access and, uh, and people with disabilities are disproportionately, uh, unfortunately, shunned out of the workplace at higher numbers than their uh, non-disabled counterparts. So I wanted to do my part to eliminate those barriers and build bridges in all the branches of inclusion. You know, interesting. I'll say this. Unpackaging, that's a lot. I'll say this first. You know how you said you were thinking about being a lawyer and that you became a journalist? Well, the irony is when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a journalist. And then I came to Tampa to go to college because I'm from New Jersey originally. And I went to college here and I signed up in a mass communications course and was disappointed with it at the time and got steered into becoming political science, psychology, and then pre-law. So long story short, <laughs> sounds like we both kind of have similar, similar mindsets in terms of uh, aspirations there. Now, that's the first part I want to share. Secondly, the stuff that you, you're doing in terms of increasing inclusivity and awareness in the work environment and the fact that you personally have dealt with these obstacles yourself, I want to ask you, do you think it's possible that with enough awareness and activism in time, the workplace will change? Well, uh, Jason, I'll, I'll, I'll share this. Awareness and activism is great, but it's not uh, tangible unless there's action attached to it, right? So there are, you can be the best advocate and awareness promoter you, you want to be, but if there isn't tangible action uh, uh, attached to the activism, then the activism <laughs> isn't active, if that makes sure. sense. So I, I think that uh, employers 
and uh, those that are in the space of uh, uh, inclusion and diversity promotion have to continue to work together uh, to diversify the workforce. But I do think increasing uh, communication and uh, awareness is a good place to start because employment of people with disabilities, you know, it's an untapped market of potential. And I always say if you hire someone with a disability, uh, you gain a competitive edge over your competition because they are able to look at uh, scenarios in the workplace that are, are, are from a different perspective and can help you sort of diversify uh, the talent base or, or, or the group of pe people that you're trying to serve because they have a mm -hmm. uh, diverse perspective and can only be a net po positive for an organization when they infuse people with disabilities. So activism and being active in terms of the promotion of the need is great, but it also has to be attached to uh, tangible action steps, which we can, can get into uh, a little bit later on in the podcast as well. And definitely. And, you know, when you say action steps, the first word that pops in my head are politicians and elected officials, right? I, I know you had some influence on one of your, your prior, when you, when you had a prior protest campaign type of thing, I know you, you, you were able to influence the local township, or I should say the community of Ontario where you are, how was it for you when you got to do that? How did it feel for you to have that kind of thing occur? You know, uh, I always uh, I like to build bridges of inclusion for other people as well as myself. So working with Torrance and lobbying the Ontario government was important, of course, because uh, it allowed me to uh, tell uh, the story of people with disabilities in a uh, relatable format that's relatable to politicians in order to for them to take action. I think, you know, when I worked on the Discoverability Network, we had a saying that collaboration uh, spurred uh, progress. So uh, when we work, work together in a collaborative format, it's always a more important uh, and it always allows more work to be done in a faster manner because we're working towards a common goal. So I think collaboration is also key when we talk about uh, bringing together stakeholders to eradicate unemployment for folks with disabilities. I want to get into your story a little more because you got into journalism and became very proficient with it. How, how did you find for yourself the passion to get into podcasting? What made you start doing that? Well, I'll tell you, um, I'm a big, I used to be an ex-sports reporter and I knew uh, that I wasn't going to be able to play sports because of my uh, disability. And podcasting is a way uh, for myself and for others with uh, disabilities to um, uh, communicate a story. Uh, I always tell people that uh, every, everybody deserves a platform to share and divulge their own story. So podcasting for me is an out, outlet of um social interaction, social engagement. And it's also a, 
my way of giving back on elevating the issues in society that are, are uh, important to me. Um, so it's important for me to be a podcaster because it's the latest medium where people are uh, searching for information and I'm, I'm able to have an engaging and uh, conversational conversation that allows uh, me and you to have a conversation this afternoon. So podcasting is my outlet for a bunch of things, but the, the primary reason I got into it is because I wanted a chance to engage in the societal discourse and make a meaningful difference through uh, conversation. So there you go. You know, I, I recently have said that my, with my show, I find that every single, uh, each individual guest comes on, and it's like a snapshot of that person at that particular moment in time. And that my show represents like a gallery for that snapshot of that picture for that moment in time. And I feel like with you coming on today to talk about this issue, that we can gauge in the future where things stand in society based on the fact that we're going to try to see some action occurring, hopefully, after our podcast and in the future to help change society itself. And I would love to see in the future the opportunity that at some point we're not only just talking about diversity, inclusion, and equality, but actually seeing progress in real ways to make it happen. And that would be one of my goals in terms of our conversation today is that this isn't a static conversation, that it actually represents change that can occur through our dialogue to help our audiences. And I wanted to ask you, someone's listening to the audience right now, what would you say to them if they're sitting there and they're listening to us for the first time and they're starting to think about diversity, inclusion and awareness and equality, uh, what would you say to them? Well, let's talk about action steps. I think uh, there are a number of different things you can do if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or uh, CEO. The first I would say is embrace technology. Uh, everything is the digital age now, and uh, people with disabilities are, are most often proficient with technology and allow them to elevate your business by the use of technology. The second thing I would say is uh, you're, you're, you're tapping into a marketplace of untapped potential. I know I've brought this up a couple of times throughout our conversation so far this afternoon, but I think communication and looking for ways where you can tangibly put into place uh, avenues of opportunities for people with disabilities. So oftentimes employers are trying to fit uh, employees with or employees with disabilities to the job whether, rather than the employer trying to fit the job to the skill sets of, of someone with a disability. So, uh, and you know, we did a study at the Ontario Chamber of Commerce that found that 80% uh, of uh, accommodations for folks with disabilities uh, cost less than $500. It can be uh, as simple as the race height of a desk, the use of assisted software or a headset. So my first, uh, my next point rather would be embrace diversity, 
because it will allow you to uh, increase morale, cut down on, on uh, your training costs, and increase productivity because people with disabilities want to prove that they can do the job and they stay longer, right? So it's important for them to also oh, have a seat at the table when it comes to filling out a workforce because, again, it provides a business with a competitive advantage. When you talk about embracing diversity, what role do you feel empathy has for people to embrace diversity? And, you know, empathy is important, but I also want people to focus on the person and the ability rather than the disability. Okay. Uh, you know, because empathy is great, but empathy, again, without action, for me, is meaningless, right? Because you can be empathetic to someone's situation implied, but if you're not willing to uh, take the action steps to uh, make sure that they have an avenue for advancement. You can be empathetic for uh, to the day you retire, but if you're yeah. not going to uh, institute the action steps, then empathy is a hollow word that, uh, that you, you know, uh, you, you bring up empathy. And one of the things that really annoys me as a um, as an advocate for people with disabilities, is when when employers put at the end of a job description uh, or an equal opportunity employer, right? It's something they have to put, and I understand that. But if they're not willing to look uh, extensively at being an equal opportunity employer, it's just. Uh, an artificial way of saying, we're going to be inclusive at our own time, right? So if you're going to actually take the action steps of doing it, putting an actual action plan uh, in place is important. You know, I always tell people that we make time in life life for the things that are important to us. So if it's an important to an employer, instead of the action steps, uh, increase the communication, uh, put uh, to get uh, the resources necessary to hire someone with a disability, uh, embrace diversity in terms of embracing support staff if they need that in terms of support workers or uh, assistive technology or a, a support animal. Embrace all of those things because diversity uh, brings opportunity for everybody. When you were talking about equal opportunity employer and, and you were you know, describing that kind of a situation where it's just not a real, it's, it's hollow words until they actually implement a, a strategic plan to help incorporate certain things. One of the things I wanted to raise what you said earlier, it, you, you said 80% of changes in the workplace would be under like around $500. It's yeah, cost effective. yeah. So it's a cost-effective thing. It's not even something like they could, an employer could argue cost would be a, a hindrance here. It's not something like that at all. It's just changing paradigms, taking action and putting in the right strategic plan. Do you have organizations in place that help businesses implementing the action plans that you're describing and discussing? Yeah, so here in Ontario, we have something called uh, service providers. And where I live in Windsor, uh, I think we have uh, between seven and nine service providers that service folks with disabilities. And they look at uh, their 
uh, employment needs and assess uh, uh, what they uh, need as far as um, uh, accommodations in the workplace. Um, and we also have here on Ontario uh, uh, a system where we're trying to make employers more aware of, of the, the skills and abilities of people with disabilities, while also trying to um, promote inclusion uh, for uh, those folks with disabilities and also uh, uh, promote independence of those individuals and helping them to the point of, of where they can get a good start in a work poor, uh, work, workplace and if they need um, uh, job coaching along the way. Uh, a lot of organizations here in Ontario have what we call job coaches and they go in and they, they uh, learn the job alongside the person and uh, and if they need uh, a reminders in terms of like uh, task lists, uh, uh, one thing employers can do is create task lists for someone with a disability uh, because depending on uh, the disability, repetition and doing things over and over again become routine for someone with a disability. So to answer your original question, yeah, we have a system in place here in Canada where we have uh, service providers that, that service uh, people with disabilities, depending on the type of disability, there are different organizations uh, that do that uh, locally here in winter. As I mentioned, we have about seven of them. Uh, the Unemployment Help Center of Winter in Essex County also does that, uh, as well as provide uh, different ways for folks with disabilities to get out of poverty, uh, to start uh, a life where they can manage their own finances. Because again, I have a saying in my office that says, Inclusion is the gateway to independence, and it's sort of the model I live by. So it's all about creating independence while also creating confidence as well. For you personally, what's been the most memorable experience you've had in terms of being able to increase inclusivity in the workplace for yourself? Uh, you know, here's the funny thing. When I was working... Um, on the Discoverability Network, I was actually talking to a lawyer, a lawyer, incidentally, who was also a real estate agent, and he came up to me after the presentation and he said, I didn't know it was that simple to hire people with disabilities. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to do that uh, based on the presentation uh, that he saw today. So again, it's all about giving action steps to uh, people with disabilities to uh, be uh, inclusive in the workplace. So again, for me, it's all about creating action steps, opportunities, and uh, avenues towards inclusion. The other thing I'll tell you is uh, when I was working on the We Are Able project, we worked with a, with a guy, his name's David Berman, and I've told this story before, so David won't 
get upset with me for telling it here. Uh, David runs a company called Mr. May. They're a cleaning service uh, for folks here in Windsor. Uh, they go into homes, residential buildings, and all the rest of it to clean and, and service uh, people's cleaning needs. And when I was working on uh, the uh, We Are Able project, David was actually uh, one, one, of, one of our Gold Star employers. And what, what I mean by that is David was responsible for hiring nine of the 28 people that were uh, hired through the initiative. Uh, so it's all about working and building bridges of connection. I always tell people that life is a constant game of connection. So the highlight for me is when I can see an employer say, or, or have an aha moment and say, it's not that difficult and I need to take the action steps uh, on my own behalf to make sure that I am an inclusive environment. And again, if I can help uh, eliminate those barriers, that's what I think uh, my calling in life is to do. As a journalist, do you feel frustrated at times in the journalism industry with the lack of inclusivity? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that 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 is a, a passionate subject of mine. Uh, I will tell you um, that uh, I think newsrooms have to do a better job of, of including people with disabilities. Uh, you know, I'm one of the first uh, people uh, that the news calls whenever there's a disability advocate issue <laughs> that they need a sound bite for, right? So, but I think representation does matter. Uh, and I, I think that uh, more newsrooms and news directors have to take it upon themselves to uh, uh, embrace different ways of journalism. Uh, and what I mean by that is maybe someone with a disability can't go out in the field and be a traditional reporter, but they can sit in front of a computer and conduct Zoom interviews and do the voiceover work in a studio setting. So it's again, adapting the job to fit the skill sets of people with disabilities, but in terms of newsroom diversification, I do think um, it, it is something that has to be addressed because I think newsrooms are missing out on uh, a, a new way or a diverse way to uh, deliver the news if they don't include people with disabilities for sure. I'd love to see an anchor. I'd like to see anchor people. Yeah, you that, know. Right? I mean, don't you think that that would be one of the most direct ways that inclusivity could be communicated because journalism is about communication and, and symbols and words and message. Yeah, rep representation right? does representation, matter. Yeah, it does so matter. I think on all aspects of, of the broadcast media uh, type, um, uh, whether it's adapting cameras for people that want to be camera people or hiring more producers so that the public knows that um, these disability inclusion matters are out there and they need to be highlighted on a on local news level. So I do think representation matters at all levels of, the, of a newscast for sure. 
You know, and, and then looking at that in terms of the representation of it, I'm also thinking, I believe heavily in words, um, what words have meaning and, and if you break things down. And I actually think if you change the word disability to something else, that that could potentially start changing paradigms over the long run as well. Because like you said earlier, when we were talking, I, I, I know words have a lot of value and I think there should be some other term because it's not, it, the, the word disabled itself is an old mindset in my mind. I think it's, it's outdated, it's outmoded. And if you really wanna have inclusivity, you gotta change the words even that people use to communicate around this topic area. Yeah, changing words is important, but I also say changing words without the action together. Well, of course with action. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not yeah, saying so, that. Yeah, but changing the way you put uh, uh, job postings or the expectations you put in a job posting and when you say that uh, people with disabilities are encouraged to apply, uh, but you you put that into the words and you don't translate that into action, then the words, again, don't hold weight. But I do think, uh, to your point, I do think the way we're presenting uh, things to the public from a uh, disability perspective, uh, from an employment perspective, words do matter for sure. One of the things I would like to see change, here in the United States, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act, it's been around for what three decades almost already. Yeah, I think George, uh, the first George uh, Bush signed that right back. Yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, it was it, part of his signature legislation as president. Yeah, or one I, of them anyway. I don't think it goes far enough yet in terms of enforcement across all fifty states in the United States because we have to have people who actually do that in, in terms of outdated buildings and just you know creating ramps or or making things accessible. It's 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 unbelievable to think that it takes 30 years here in the United States. You know, we could put somebody on the moon, but we can't make our, our sidewalks and carpets inside buildings, for example, or ramps, just different accessibility options. And I know in the workplace, there's issues like that you mentioned earlier. What do you think needs to be done to change that? Oh, uh, well, I, I think that uh, when, when uh, first of all, I think architects have to, uh, uh, do a better job of incorporating accessible features in more places to make it more accessible. But I, I, I do think that when we look at not only uh, the way buildings are structured, uh, but I, I think that uh, people with disabilities have to be given um, the platform in order to have a more diverse working uh, space. So whether that be working from home or, or, or adapting offices with the necessary software uh, to make sure that people um, work in an efficient and effective way that allows them to be more uh, inclus uh, inclusive in the workplace. And the one thing that I will say is that waiting lists in the states are very long for people with disabilities in terms of getting services that they need to be successful in societal life, things like uh, living conditions or uh, support staff workers. If you don't have a whole heck of a lot of money, um, and uh, then it's very difficult to 
get the necessary support staff that you needed. Um, I, uh, for, uh, to use myself as an example, um, I was on the waiting list for support uh, services for PSW here in Ontario for uh, six years before I got wow. funding from the government to get uh, services. And I know uh, that you said you live in Florida, and yes. in Florida they have something called the uh, uh, Vocational Rehabilitation uh, services and they do. Uh, they've done some great work down in there in Florida, Florida through that agency. But again, the waiting list uh, to to um, access their services is very long. I know that firsthand because one of my life and career goals is actually to one day move down to Florida to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to contribute to the journalism discussion down there. But again, the waiting list for services uh, down there, again, are a problem. So I think the government, the private sector, and the public sector have to work together to eliminate uh, barriers to access. And one of the biggest ways they can do that is by eliminating the, uh, a long wait list for services uh, so that people with disabilities can live a uh, full and wholesome life in and outside of the office. So. Uh, a good part of that too, as we we're just, as you were just talking, I was saying, what about, how about education and, and training people, right? You had people trained, but how's that working in terms of breaking those barriers and increasing that opportunity? Yeah, I will, I'll give you my, uh, my, so when I was in journalism school, uh, everybody else had a regular journalism internship, right? And for me, uh, none of the local journalism agencies here wanted to take the risk of bringing me on as an intern. So, and I needed to complete an internship to graduate college, right? So. Uh, they came up with making me the local sports reporter for uh, the college newspaper. And that was great. But I, I think in some respects that it set me back in terms of my journalism career because I didn't have the same opportunities to uh, develop my skills as a journalist uh, uh, when I was preparing to graduate. Um to take advantage of the uh, opportunities to get fully employed as a journalist. So I do think internships and creating internships are important. You know, uh, I'll give you one more example. I um, sit on uh, the board of the Family Advisory Board for uh, the John McGivney Children's Center here in Windsor and Essex County. And, and that's the local uh, treatment center for folks with disabilities and, and their uh, children uh, from birth to the age of 18 or 21, whenever they reach the age of majority here in, in Windsor. And one of the things I'm helping the center with is developing a, a transition to adulthood program because once you turn 18 or 21, the, the, the physical therapy, the occupational therapy, the speech therapy that you're receiving all throughout 
and your education, that stops, right? So one of the things I'm working on with the center is developing a way for the center to have uh, transition to adulthood programs to tell parents and teenagers, these are the services that are available, whether it be uh, one of those education uh, or one of those employer um, service providers we talked about earlier, or these are, are the schools that are more accommodating for people with disabilities. So I do think creating a life after college plan, if that makes any sense, for people with disabilities are, are is, is critical on both sides of the border for sure. And one of the other things I was just thinking, as you said, mentoring relationships, right? In the business community, let's say now someone comes out of college and, and they're trying to get experience and having someone help them with either finding jobs or mentoring them just in general, a life experience could be very helpful. Yeah, I mean, mentors, uh, it goes back to what I told you earlier about life being a constant game of connections and having mentors that have cloud in the community to be a change maker. Uh, it's very important because if if you have someone in your corner that actually has the power to be successful and the power to put you in a position to be successful, it's very, very important for sure. Have you ever felt as a journalist that you were underestimated by the people you worked with? Uh, you know, all the time, you know, I, I think people- How frustrating must that be too, you know? Yeah, I think people with disabilities, I always tell them that they have to work 110% harder than everybody else. Because if I'm uh, I'm a disabled person, uh, or, or they can hire somebody else that, that can uh, get the job done faster. Like, uh, for example, for people that don't have driver's licenses, uh, it's harder for them to get a job because um, they don't drive, right? And they have to rely on public transportation. And that's a whole other uh, issue we can get into about how to increase public uh, transportation options for folks with disabilities. But yeah, uh, providing them the opportunity and the space uh, to show their skill sets is an ongoing uh, thing that I'm working with, working on because I think it's a vital part of uh, progression and inclusion uh, for folks with disabilities in the workforce. Would you say that the private corporate environment is a large um, piece of the puzzle in helping a lot of these changes that we're discussing today? To a certain degree, because they have the money to do it, right? Yeah. Uh, money equals power, and that money uh, is important in the sense of, of providing the opportunities uh, for or for change, uh, whether you have to adapt a building or invest in technology. So again, it goes back to uh, collaboration and partnerships and the importance of uh, 
promoting inclusion and equality in that sense. So uh, again, a collaboration uh, spurs progress for sure. You know, when I worked on uh, the, uh, dis- uh, the Discoverability Network, uh, the slogan for the project is uh, seize the opportunity to advance your business. Uh, and again, it goes back to the power of collaboration to get things done. I'm going to ask you something for a second. And this is why you were talking just now. I just have to ask you, have you ever thought about doing video production for yourself with a project? Like being uh, involved with a video production company where you put your ideas and they create a film or video that helps to get, I, I just, I, as you were talking, I, as a, as a psychic, I get stuff when a guest comes on. And that's one thing I was just going to ask you because I see that being very successful for you. There's going to be a video production project you get involved with through journalism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I always, I always say anybody that wants to write me a paycheck, I don't turn it down, right? So, <laughs> well, there's something you're getting involved in in the future. I feel that you're going to find it's going to be with a video production company. It's going to be a very successful project you do. And it has something to do with exactly everything we're discussing. But I see that something of a future project next year, probably. Well, yeah. well, well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've never, I never turned down an opportunity for a career, career advancement, whether it's for myself myself or helping somebody else to drill it so it may be in my that's just something i was just picking up i had i had to ask you about it because i was picking up on it i was curious uh in just general terms but um when you when you look at this this topic and you go on different shows and you promote your message what's been the most frustrating thing for you afterwards um i don't know if there's been a frustrating thing. I, I I just in a more broader sense, you know, I, I just wish more people would take increased action uh, faster uh, because we can have a conversation with someone and they can have the best of intentions, but if they don't have the action steps again, uh, so I guess uh, the answer to your question is increasing uh, the speed in, in which the action steps are taken. You know, you, you give them a blueprint, it all goes back to you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink it. So I guess for me, it would be um, making sure that the action steps are actually implemented after the conversation. You mentioned the term change maker earlier. Do you consider yourself a change maker? Um, you know, I don't think I've ever been asked that. I, I consider myself a part of the conversation to make a difference. Whether that uh, makes me a change maker, you know, at the end of my bio, I, I, I put something uh, uh, that I coined that some people find me to be an inspirational person. And I just consider myself to be persistently consistent. Um, so if that makes me a change maker, that's that's great for me. Um, but I, I'm I'm just trying to make the biggest difference uh, that I can with the platform that I have. If our audience wanted to find out about you and learn about getting more involved, where would you direct them to? Uh, yeah, you guys can uh, uh, check me out on LinkedIn. All my stuff is posted there. Um, uh, if you want to check out the podcast, uh, 
which is called Let's Have This Conversation. All you got to do is uh, find it on uh, Apple uh, and where all your podcasts are uh, uh, displayed and distributed. Um, you can also email me. Uh, my email is my last name, uh, which is mcsh-kevin at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, uh, LinkedIn, uh, I have a YouTube channel for the podcast. Just let's have this conversation. If you type that in and type uh, my, my name in afterwards, you can find my stuff and you can uh, email a podcast directly. Uh, my Twitter handle is uh, McShan819. Uh, and my uh, Instagram handle is McShan819. 81509 and that's probably the best way you guys can get in contact with me i appreciate you sharing your information with us i uh, want to ask you this who's been the most influential figure in your life and why oh that's an interesting question um besides my uh family and um, besides my family i'll give you a couple of examples um so I have an identical twin brother who was also born with cerebral palsy, but he grew out of his cerebral palsy. So Keith and I are a minute apart. So Keith is one of my uh, influential uh, uh, role models. Um, I also uh, uh, consider um, a guy named Ryan Peebles who was uh, my student representative council coordinator when I was in college. Uh, he, he's been a rock for me over the last 11 years uh, that I've graduated college from. So Ryan's one of my role models. Um, one of my journalism role models is actually the radio voice of the Detroit Lions, Dan Miller and I are good friends. Um, so I have a whole bunch of role models, uh, and I'm hopeful that my story uh, can uh, influence others to take action. And the last story I'll, I'll share with you, Jason, just before we wrap this up, was it was my um, second to last year of elementary school uh, back in 1998. Um, I had... Uh, just come back from London uh, at the Times Valley uh, Children's Hospital where all my uh, leg surgeries were uh, performed. And Dr. Tim Carey had told my parents that that was my last leg surgery. And there was probably a good possibility that I would never be able to walk without a walker or without assistance. So I came back to school and the guidance counselors and the administration at my elementary school uh, called me into uh, the vice principal's office at the time. Uh, the vice principal's name was Carol Crawley at the time. And she told me that uh, the scope of my imagination and possibilities are only limited based on, on my own limitations that I placed on myself. Because at the time, you know, your parents tell you that you're never, you're probably never going to be able to walk. And then 
you have a, uh, a decision to make on which direction you want to take your life. And I credit Fritha uh, uh, Crawley for having uh, that uh, belief in me to really chart the course of inclusion uh, is the gateway to independence mantra that I've created for myself. So those are sort, sort of my uh, life philosophies and where I get my life uh, philosophy from. I think it's fascinating story to hear that because when you're being told that, <laughs> I believe that personally, that you are your limitations. What you believe in your, in your mind can limit your own accomplishments in life. But if you see untapped potential, if you see yourself with no limits and you're realistic about it and you implement things, you could really break out of any type of perceived comfort zones and really change and grow. And have you found from your own personal life experience that other people you've interviewed, other, other influential figures, that you, you see a common theme like that is that you have to think about it in order to make it happen kind of thing? And, and, and have an open, you know, no hold bar approach. Yeah, again, it goes back to, it goes back to the fact that we all make time in life for the things that are important to us. So I tell people that they want to take action and just do it. Put the action plan in place and follow the plan and don't be deviated from it. People make time in life for the things that are important to them and have believe that until the day I die. So I do think a, a prioritization of the things that are important to us lead to um, increased opportunities to be successful. So absolutely. I want to ask you one last question I asked on my show. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And I'll go first if you'd like. I'm an Absolutely. I always say owl because um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really interested in wisdom and looking at things from a larger perspective beyond just the immediate confines of what you see at the human eye. And I believe that, you know, in terms of my own spirit animal, meaning that that's where I, I see myself. I see myself looking above and, and beyond and seeing things from a much larger point of view. Yeah, that's a good one. For myself, I, I, I consider myself sort of... An ever-evolving cheetah, and what I mean by that is I'm always running towards the possible. Um, so if I had to transform myself into something, I'd probably be a cheetah um, because I'm always running towards uh, the possible. So I guess that'd be my answer. Kevin, I want to thank you for for coming on the show today and sharing your message, uh, inclusivity, and taking an action plan and making a difference in the work environment, advocating for the disabled, and just helping to make changes in our society in your own way and doing everything you're doing with print journalism and and podcasting. I think everything you've established in your life is is I feel you're a trailblazer. Whether or not you see yourself as one, I see you as a trailblazer. I want to thank you for coming on and just sharing your your, your experiences and and. I do believe that we can change paradigms and people's points of view by having conversations. And I know that, you know, coming on here and having a conversation with me about this topic, it's, it's critical. It's important for my audience. And I want to thank you for being a part of this today. You're certainly welcome, Jason. I'm better for having this conversation with you. And the last thing I'll leave you with is that inclusion is truly the gateway to independence. And I, 
And if your audience is taken uh, nothing away from this conversation, other than that, I would say that inclusion is the gateway to independence and we all have to uh, join the fight of inclusion in order to make a meaningful difference. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate having you on. <laughs> and you're welcome. Thanks for the opportunity, buddy. Okay, thank you. I want to thank Kevin for coming on the show today. Kevin has overcome countless obstacles and personal adversity to serve and improve the quality of life for the disabled. He's become a motivational speaker to show others in society that it's possible to live a successful and productive life as a journalist and as a mouthpiece for the disabled. In fact, Kevin has used his life experience to shape his personal message of resiliency, advocacy, implementing a action plan and the need for societal inclusion for people with disabilities so that they can live, work, and enjoy all that life has to offer, just like everyone else. Check out Kevin's YouTube channel. Let's have this conversation. That's the name of his channel. The link is in the program notes below. I'm so grateful for having Kevin today on the show. Hopefully our conversation can open minds and bridge any gaps that exist between us. Thank you so much. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? Do you have a business or a message you want to share with the world? Well, now it's easier than ever with Electricast. Hi, I'm Mark Netter. And I'm Peter Rafelson. We're the founders of Electricast Media. Whether you want to start a new podcast or already have one, join Electricast to grow your audience, monetize your content, and build your community. With our simple sign-up, you get free promotion, world-class analytics, premium ads, and personal support. Go to Electricast.com and join our community today. Electricast. Transform your influence. Electricast. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wannabet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wannabet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.